From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. They're the people who are supposed to watch over the support system for Australians with a disability and ensure the care they're receiving is good. But the very people doing this job at the Quality and Safeguards Commission of the NDIS could be in an unsafe workplace. And the strangest part of it all, the leadership of the Commission has allegedly been pretending there isn't a problem. Today, senior reporter for the Saturday paper, Rick Morton, on how the organisation that oversees the quality of the NDIS was gaslighting its own staff and what that means for those who rely on the service. It's Thursday, June 8th. Rick, you've been looking into what's happening at the place that regulates the NDIS, so the the Quality and Safeguards Commission. Tell me, how did you get onto this story and and what did you find? So I got a tip-off on my email a couple of weeks ago overnight, which was very interesting and seemed to be very well informed. And you can usually get a sense with these things that the person knew what they were talking about. And it was about the National Disability Insurance Scheme Quality and Safeguards Commission, the regulator in the space for all disability service providers and workers and you know, trying to keep people with disabilities safe, right? The NDIS Commission regulates all providers in the NDIS market. And it was about dysfunction at that regulator. We will listen, we will talk, we'll discuss, we'll facilitate, and we will be clear. Particularly some fairly troubling allegations of lack of accountability and transparency, which you'd want from a regulator, in relation to this ComCare notice. Now, ComCare is the Federal Workplace Health and Safety Regulator, regulator v regulator, and they send a notice to the NDIS Commission that says you are an unsafe workplace. This is a notice to improve. Your colleagues, your your workers, your employees are being severely and extremely overworked. You don't appear to have addressed this despite your knowledge of it for the last three years. Now you have to do something about it. This is really important because this is a regulator in the biggest kind of care sector Uh, in the country with the NDIS who apparently is unable or unwilling to model best practice behaviour itself while demanding that of providers and rightfully demanding that of providers I should say and the reason I was interested in that is not so much that they got the notice it happens from time to time in federal agencies but it was the commission's response to getting that notice which was you know startling to say the least, and that's what I found quite concerning as a journalist and then wanted to look into further. Right, OK, so the Workplace Health and Safety Regulator, they issue this notice to the Commission saying that they need to address unsafe workloads and, and demands on the agency's staff and, you know, these things have been happening, but the Commission has been doing nothing to sort of fix what's been going wrong and it, and it needs to. So what should have happened once that notice was issued? Yeah, so under the law, anyone who's been given an improvement notice has to put that notice on display immediately or as soon as what they say, as soon as possible. The actual notice itself says, you know, brief description of how the provision has been or has been contravened, and it says, number two, the concerns were that the National Disability Insurance Scheme Quality and Safeguards Commission risk management system in relation to psychosocial hazard of work demands, specifically extremely high workloads, is ineffective or failing and that the Commission had been aware for the past three years 
of negative health impacts of prolonged and extreme exposure to work-related stress from these work demands. And it goes on, there's a lot more detail in it, but that's essentially it. Now, if someone who gets such a notice appeals it, that notice no longer becomes effective until that appeal is heard. But there's a gap between when officially, on the 27th of April, according to the Commission, they get this notice, and on the 1st of May, when they appeal it. And in that gap, uh, they don't put it on display. They tell health and safety representatives, the HSRs, and they say, we'll put it on display, and then nothing happens. It's essentially kind of disappeared, and staff start to ask questions. Mm. Okay, and so how does the commission respond then to those questions, and, and what is essentially this, this legal warning that it's gotten about the workplace? Yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> the commissioner, Tracy Mackey, who's been in the job since January last year, reportedly denied the existence of the document completely. Right. She says it doesn't exist. She said it doesn't exist, which is different to saying it's not in effect, which at the point in time we're talking about, which is May 10, there's an all-staff meeting. Tracy Mackey leads it. She's the commissioner. It's a Q&A about the new budget allocation they got, some new resourcing, which is obviously very important. But a staff member asks a question in the chat, and I've got a screenshot of that chat, and they, they just say, will this help us deal with the ComCare notice. And I've spoken to five people now who independently recall that meeting um, who all said that the commissioner responded with words to the effect of, there is no notice. If there was a notice, I would give it to you. Now, at this point in time, not only was there a notice, but they had appealed it. And certainly as a regulator, you know, you can certainly argue technically that she, because there was no notice in effect, she didn't have to discuss it with the staff, but the staff that I've spoken to feel that this fits into a pattern of procedural unfairness uh, within the workplace where they feel like they're not being told the complete truth about things, which is a problem if you're working for a regulator that is meant to be demanding the complete truth and transparency and full accountability from the disability sector that you're regulating. So that's the beginning of the kind of questions about the commissioner's role in all of this. So it's it's really weird, for a start, that the commissioner would deny the existence of this document at all, but particularly weird given that it had already been reported in the Canberra Times uh, five days earlier. The union, the uh, Commonwealth Public Sector Union, knew about the notice. They knew that it was being appealed or had been appealed. So this is not something that the commission could ever have hoped to have, you know, denied offhand. So it just kind of struck staff as being a little bit uh, a little bit subterfuge um, and kind of stalling, I guess, because the other issue, of course, is that the very next day there was a, a very large upload to the internet of frequently asked questions. Buried near the bottom of that was a question about the same question that was asked in the town hall, but this one says different language. It says there is currently no improvement notice in effect. Mm-hmm. Which is true, I suppose. Which is true. Um, and then it goes on weirdly to apparently blame, um, you know, other outside third parties for trying to lobby Comcare about workplace safety. It doesn't name the union, but you can almost be sure that that's what they were talking about because the union made a submission to Comcare, which is, as I understand it, a perfectly normal part of the process. But um, the NDIS Commission didn't seem very happy that the union was advocating for its own workers. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so Rick, staff at the Commission, they they definitely know about this legal notice. I mean, it's been publicly reported on in the media days earlier. The union is aware of it. So it's it's fair to say it's public knowledge. So what do these workers think then when the agency that they work for starts to deny its existence? Well, they think that it's a continuation of what they've already seen, which is an unwillingness in their view to deal head on with the actual problem, which is that staff feel unsafe. They are certainly overworked. Um, and I don't just mean in your usual, like, you know, a lot of people work hard, right? And, and it's all valid. But in this case, it's extreme. And I know that because of some of the stuff that I've been hearing that I haven't been able to report yet, but it's extreme. And it's really important work. These people are on the front line hearing reports of really terrible cases of abuse or misconduct or neglect, but also just kind of dealing with the day-to-day reports of people who are confused or maybe scared or don't quite know how the system works and trying to keep on top of that and then also fix these things, right? That's why this commission matters and that's why the staff in particular matter. And to know about this notice, as the staff clearly did because they asked about it, and then to have its existence denied... You know, as one person said, you know, the commissioner thinks we're all stupid. The behaviour doesn't make any sense, they said to me. And another person that I was talking to who knows about, you know, these various interactions between the commission, between the staff, between Comcare, said that the conduct of the commission, which, remember, is a regulator, was some of the worst that they had seen. Right, so it sounds like things are, are really beginning to deteriorate. What happens next at the commission? So it's pretty clear that things have become a little bit acrimonious between the Commission and the CPSU. And then, of course, the Union ramps things up, as they want to do. So the Commission's denying the existence of this notice. The CPSU says, all right then, we're going to use our powers, our right of entry powers. We're going to inform the Commission the day before we plan on going out there, and we're going to ask for the notice. We're going to ask for them to hand it over. They tell them the day before, the next day, the NDIS Commission responds by engaging external lawyers, um, the, the law firm Holding Redlick, and essentially blocks the union from getting access to the offices. So the way it was put to me by people in the note uh, was that this kind of struck them as being a deliberately provocative response, an aggressive response, and unnecessarily expensive response, certainly for the NDIS Commission, which has been underfunded, and maybe emblematic of the paranoia or anxiety within the Commission about public perception of how they're doing their job. We'll be back after this. The Saturday Paper's food editors are some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Let them guide your cooking when you sign up to Schwartz Media's free weekly newsletter, The Food. It features the latest recipe from the Saturday Paper, along with a selection of seasonal dishes suitable for all cooks. Subscribe today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, the Saturday Paper, and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. So, Rick, it sounds like what's happening is there is this kind of standoff emerging at the NDIS regulator. The regulator has been served this legal notice about being an unsafe workplace. They're appealing that, but while they're doing that, they're also seeming to kind of deny the existence of that notice to their own staff. 
The union, though, knows about the notice and so they say, well, we're going to come into your office to actually get it. The commission responds by trying to get outside lawyers to stop that from happening. So as things escalate, what happens next? Yeah, so the union goes straight to the Fair Work Commission. They um, apply with the commission for the resolution of a right of entry dispute. And the reason they give the Fair Work Commission is because they have a reasonable suspicion that a contravention of the Work Health and Safety Act had occurred and that the alleged contravention was that officers of the NDIS Commission had made false or misleading statements to employees and health and safety representatives and in denying that improvement notice that had been issued by Comcare, those officers at the Commission had misinformed their employees about their ability to participate or initiate in processes relating to the improvement notice under the Workplace Health and Safety Act, including the requirement for the improvement notice to be displayed and communicating with Comcare in relation to the notice and seeking a review of the notice and consultation of all the rest. You know, this is a right that employees have to take part in that process. It is a right enshrined in law, and it's one that you could argue was denied by the process that was in place around this particular notice at the NDIS Commission. Now, once that application was lodged by the union to the Fair Work Commission, the NDIS Commission is kind of forced to come to the table a little bit because up until this point, they've been denying reality. And now, of course, they have to back down. It's quite embarrassing. Their lawyers agreed to settlement terms, essentially, with the union in return for the union dropping that application. And the settlement is, okay, okay, we will put up the notice. Even though we don't have to, they say, we will show the notice to our staff and we will update them with more information on our intranet. And that's what it took. And this, by the way, is almost three weeks after they got it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the notice is finally published. But I mean, surely the, the three weeks of back and forth, that must not look good or feel good to the employees of the commission to kind of watch all of this unfold at a workplace in which they're perhaps already feeling like there are serious problems to then have this kind of response from the commission. I mean, surely that would only make things worse, not better. Yeah. So things were already pretty bad at the commission. They had been for years, as we saw in that Comcare notice in the first place, at least three years, right? Now, in 2021-2022, according to their own internal analysis at the commission, 26.1% of the entire agency's ongoing headcount quit the organisation some of them without jobs to go to. That is an enormous number for staff turnover. It's particularly enormous when you realise that they're dealing with the pointy end of disability regulation and trying to keep people with disabilities safe, particularly during COVID, right? One staff member told me that it's the most unstable workforce that they had ever encountered. Um, And in fact, their words were, it's just carnage. A separate employee that I was chatting to says the conduct that's coming out of the, the leadership team at the Commission is very similar to the behaviour that some of the disability providers they are trying to regulate are showing. You know, they said it's particularly demoralising for staff with disabilities. And that person said, this is the behaviour staff see from providers on a regular basis and, just like providers, there won't be any repercussions. It's absolutely sickening how hypocritical it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember, I mean, this is the agency that's supposed to be keeping an eye on the NDIS, So if it is showing these kinds of signs of dysfunction, what does that actually mean for those who are in the NDIS, people with disabilities who rely on the NDIS? 
Precisely. And it's not good. I know it's not good. We've had some pretty big cases already that have been convicted of fraud. People and directors of NDIS providers, providers who have been banned, added to the register, workers going to jail. And all of these people have been caught by a very small team within the NDIS Quality and Safeguards Commission. Almost exclusively, right? I know that there have been serious cases of assault, including sexual assault, which were missed completely by the NDIS Commission, and it's not because of the staff on the front line who, again, have been severely overworked and under-resourced and also underutilized um, in terms of, you know, the best use of their time and effort because of a broader cultural problem at the Commission. So what all of this does is put people who are NDIS participants at risk when this is the precise opposite of the outcome that you want from the NDIS regulator. And I was talking to the CPSU Deputy Secretary Beth Vincent Peach, who told me that the notice should have been this wake-up call that at least generated some soul-searching or substantial change in her words. And she said, you know, this was not the case. She said management refused to provide workers with the improvement notice. They initiated a formal challenge of the improvement notice and held an all-staff meeting where the existence of the improvement notice was denied. What hope is there for change? And certainly what hope is there for behavioural change among disability service providers when they can point to the regulator and say, look, they're not doing it. So, you know, Bill Shorten wants to save about $15 billion over the next four years from NDIS projected expenditure. And to do that, he keeps kind of talking about the fact that this is going to focus on people who are doing the wrong thing, particularly providers, right? He doesn't want to scare the horses when it comes to disabled people who are just trying to get through, right? And the NDIS is meant to be there for them. So there was an extra $142.6 million in this year's budget for the commission. And if I was in charge, I would start looking at the culture of the place to begin with. Because if you're going to invest a lot of money in this place to do the job, you've got to want to make sure that it's been spent properly and that the staff are being treated properly. Um, because otherwise the, the outcomes are not going to be good for anyone, I don't think. Rick, thank you for your time. Uh, Thanks, Ruby. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Memento. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, the amount that Australian households are able to put into savings has reached its lowest level in nearly 15 years. The household savings ratio for the first quarter of this year, released yesterday, was at its lowest point since the June quarter of 2008 in the middle of the global financial crisis. And a band of heavy rain and severe thunderstorms is sweeping across the southeast states, which is unusual for June. The rain comes as a surprise after the Bureau of Meteorology issued a dry outlook for this month just days ago, as well as forecasting a 70% chance of an El Nino weather pattern developing this year, raising the risk of heatwaves and bushfires. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.